equation I want you to remember. All right, and you're going to see it in this passage tonight. I'm starting to get some feedback, I think. Brother, turn, turn me down just a little bit. Um, faith plus diligent addition equals fruit. Right, there's the equation. This is going to be a great lesson if you have a pen and paper and you want to take some notes. This is going to be one of those lessons where I think you could potentially have a lot of notes from it. Faith plus diligent addition equals fruit. The reason that equation is very important is because most people will think faith will automatically lead to fruit. And that is not the case. You have to have faith plus diligent addition then you will see fruit. So let's walk ourselves through this passage here. Uh, before we do, let's bow our heads. Let's just pray and ask God to help us because there's really not going to be a good stopping point at any time. So let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you for this privilege to be at church tonight. And we are going to spend more time praying to you later. But we're asking now that you just give us clarity. Father, help us to focus. Help us to listen. God, give us ears to hear. Teach us tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Then, all right, verse number one says, Simon Peter a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So what we're looking at in verses 1 down to 4, what we have. This is what we already have. If you are saved, you have obtained like precious faith. Now, when he says like precious faith, I'm going to show you a verse in Jude in just a moment. It's called the common salvation. You have the same faith that the apostle Paul had, that John had, that every believer since the day of Pentecost, you have that same faith. It is the faith of Jesus Christ. I'm going to show you some verses that fully explain that as well. We have obtained, we have this like precious faith. Now look at verse 3, and as we read this, I want you to pick up on some synonyms, all right? Some synonyms. In order to explain the faith that we have, he is going to refer to it in a couple of different ways. So look at it in verse number 3. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. All right, so what I want you to see at the end of that verse, through the knowledge of Him. So when we talk about having the faith of Jesus Christ, right, that is the light precious faith that we have. This is what Jesus revealed to us about God. It is a knowledge of God. All right, so the faith is synonymous with a knowledge of God. Now, in verse 4, he's going to refer to it again, but in a different way. Verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Right? The faith, when we talk about that faith, we're talking about what we need to know about God. And that was given to us by the author and finisher of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, within the faith, that is also, that is our belief system wherein we know what God will do for us, in us, through us. So those are the exceeding great and precious promises. It tells us what to expect from God. Let me tell you just a few of them. 
the Bible tells us that God is going to work in us until the day of Jesus Christ. That is an exceeding great and precious promise. That does not, it doesn't matter how much effort you put in, God's always going to do His part. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that He never fails. No matter how often I fail Him. So He's going to work in us. He will strengthen us. He will comfort us. The Bible says that He will chasten us. That's a promise too. right? That, that's maybe not one that you cling to all the time. <laughs> Right? But, but it's a promise. Right? Whom the Lord loves, He chastens. So it's a promise. Right? So when we talk about the faith of Jesus Christ, we are talking about what God has revealed to us about Himself through His Son and what, God expe- what we can expect from God in our lives. All right? Now, again, I'm, I'm just trying to sum these verses up as best I can. Let me show you a couple other verses that go with this. Galatians chapter 2, if you would, please. Galatians 2. And while you're finding Galatians 2, let me point this, this out. This is, I believe, crucial to understand on this point. Some people, when they hear the word faith, they only understand it in one way. They hear the word faith and they think this is the capacity to believe. Right? So if you have faith, you are able to believe something. Now, there are times in the Bible that the word faith is used in that way, right? It is the capacity to believe. But the majority of the time you see that word used in the New Testament, it is not talking about the capacity to believe, but the content of what you believe. Right? So in some places you'll read about have faith. But then other places it'll talk about the faith. And, and you're dealing with two different things. And, and that is critical to pick up on. Galatians 2, let's see it here in verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the, by the faith of Jesus Christ. Whose faith is it? It's the faith of Jesus Christ. Do you see that? It's not your personal faith. It's his faith. It's what he believes about himself, what he believes about God, and he offers it to you. Now you have to yield to that. You have to receive that. You have to obtain that. You can resist that, but that's what's being offered. All right, let's keep going. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ. There's your capacity to believe something. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So how is it that we can obtain a personal relationship with God, a knowledge of God? How is it we can get in on the promises of God, exceeding and precious? Jesus offers that to us. It is His faith. He's saying, don't trust what you believe, trust what I believe. Don't trust what you say, trust what I say. Yeah, That's the safest place to be. Now, verse 20. He says in verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So what do we have? As Christians, Jesus living in us, we are now going to live by the faith of the one inside of us. We're going to let the resident be the president. Let him make the decisions and tell us how to think and feel about life in general. Uh, Turn over to the book of Jude, if you would. 
Jude, right before Revelation. Jude, and let's take a look at verse number 3. Right, Jude in verse number 3, the Bible says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. Now that goes right in, hand in hand with like precious faith. It's common, right? So he says, common salvation. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. It, this, this verse is not saying that at some point God gave you the capacity to believe at some point in your life. That's, when we're talking about contending for the faith, He gave us what to believe, the content, and we have to stand up for that. Now, in talking about the faith, this is going to lead into my second point. All I'm showing you is what we have. If you're saved tonight, you have obtained the faith of Jesus Christ, and that is no small thing. That's a pretty big deal. Right, Jude, look at verse 20. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the, in the love of God, and so forth. I want you to focus in in verse 20, building up yourselves. Whose responsibility is it that you get built up? It, it is yours. Now, did God promise to do His part? Yes. So we know that God's not going to fail, so that's why Jude writes to us, you guys are going to pull your weight. Build yourselves up, it says in verse 20, on your most holy faith. All right, so that, that's the precious faith that we have obtained. Let's come back to 2 Peter chapter 1. Let's continue working our way through this passage. So if you want to be a partaker of the divine nature... Another way to say that, in verse number 4, a, a partaker of the divine nature is you become less like you and more like Jesus. It is conforming to His image. This is just another way to word it. All right, verse 5. So we've talked about what we have, and now we need to talk about what needs to be added. You say, but I'm saved, I have the faith. Yes, but that's not the whole plan of God for you. God has more planned than just saving you and getting you to heaven. There's so much more to getting saved than just, okay, I'm saved, now heaven. There's a lot of space in, in between there. And here's, here's what we need to add. Beside this, giving how much diligence? All diligence. It, it, to put it in simple English, just try your level best. Right? Giving all diligence. Now, let me give you the definition for the word diligence. To be honest, this scared me a little. The word diligence means a steady, earnest, energetic effort. Not my words, that's the dictionary. A steady, earnest, energetic effort. Now, a good thing to do at this point is just ask yourself, does that describe my effort to grow? Steady, earnest, energetic. Uh, the, the second option for the definition of the word diligence, devoted and painstaking work and application to accomplish an undertaking. Devoted and painstaking work. I like how they put that word painstaking. Painstaking work and application to accomplish 
and undertaking. He says, giving all diligence, verse 5, add to your faith. Now, the faith of Jesus Christ was offered to you. You received it freely. You chose to believe it, to accept it. And now it is your faith. It is shared. Your faith is also my faith, by the way. If we both believe the biblical Jesus, we believe the same thing. So that's why it's a common salvation, a like precious faith and all of that. Add to your faith. Now, you received it, so it is now your faith. That's the foundation. And he says, add to it. Add to your faith and then a list of things. And I'm just going to explain these things briefly. But again, if you've got a pen and you're writing down some stuff, hopefully you can get a few good notes out of this. Add to your faith virtue. All right, let's make sure we understand these things. Virtue, some people explain it as a moral excellence or a praiseworthy behavior. I like this idea of it. It is the courage to change and do what's right. And if there's something that is grossly lacking, I say the world over, but I'm familiar with our society here, it's virtue. It's virtue. It's one thing to know what's right. It's another thing to kick yourself enough in the rear to do what's right. To say, I'm going to work up the courage to just finally get over that thing. That, that's a big deal. Add that. Add that. You say, when do I stop adding it? When you see Jesus. <laughs> just, you're going to have to continually give diligence. Steady, earnest, energetic. It's not going to be a once-off. Oh, now i got virtue. You're going to have to keep adding it and keep adding it. Right? Then he says, and to virtue, knowledge. This is a broad topic, but knowledge of God and of His Word. You're never going to exhaust the riches of this book. And this book contains the riches of, of, of God and what we need to know about Him. You're never going to get to the bottom of it. I've been, I've been saved now for 27 years and reading this book, and still I'm just blown away how I've read that verse before again and again and again, and still there's something new and fresh in it that I've never seen before. God just constantly surprises you. We can never surprise Him, but He always surprises us, right? A knowledge. All right, next thing. Add to knowledge temperance. Temperance. Temperance means discipline or self-control. You say, well, if you're saved, then God is going to work through you to overcome certain things. Well, this is true. Again, God is going to do His part. But part of this is up to you to say, okay, God, I know you don't want me doing this and you want me doing that. I'm just going to apply myself. And i got to say no to certain things. And I don't feel like exercising when I get out of bed. And I don't, I don't want to eat this. I want to eat that. And you just got to say no. You know, three hours of YouTube is enough. Shut it off. I got, I, got, I got some reaction out of that. <laughs> if I keep barking up that tree, <laughs> we're going to find something up there. What else do we add? To temperance, patience. All right, again, not my words, dictionary. Praise God that Mr. Webster was a saved man. He was, he was. He wrote this about patience. It is a cheerful endurance or a cheerful waiting now see, waiting, that's what we do in Africa. We wait, amen? You go to any queue in any shop, in any department of government, whatever, we wait. And we wait. And when we're done waiting, we wait. <laughs> <laughs> Just how it goes. 
I had a guy yesterday, we had a meeting set up for three o'clock and then he sent me a message. He said, Pastor, can we push it? Oh, I'm sorry, two o'clock. He said, can we push it to 2.30? Sure. Three o'clock? Sure. He said, I've been standing in this queue. I thought it would move. He said, I've done the math. If I stay here, I'll be here another four to six hours. So I give up and he left the queue. <laughs> That's what we do. We wait. Now, that waiting is not patience. Cheerful endurance. Cheerful waiting. All right. I still need to add some of that to my faith. I don't know about you, but I'm working on that one. Help me, Lord. And to patience, godliness. All right. Godliness can be understood in a broad way to be like God. Okay. What does it mean to be like God? There's a lot of stuff that goes with that. What did God say about being like Him? Be ye holy, for I am holy. Right, so the word godliness is often synonymous with holiness. But I think if you, if you want to consider it in a more specified way, recognizing what is sacred. So it's recognizing the things that God considers special. That's godliness. Right? It's involved with godliness. All right, number, or verse 7, number 7. As if I've never read the Bible. Verse 7, and to godliness, brotherly kindness. Well, I'll make this simple for you. Be nice to the brethren. Be nice to each other. I mean, it's, it's just that. Be a blessing to somebody. Right? Brotherly kindness does speak to being kind to the brethren, specifically. So this is kind of within the body of Christ or the church. And then in verse 7 at the end, and to brotherly kindness, charity. So this, the idea of brotherly kindness, right? We, we might even call that brotherly love. It could be understood that way. But charity takes it a step further. Charity encompasses everybody. This is the ability to put others before yourself. I, I think we could define it as having a servant's heart. Everybody you meet, you approach with this attitude. Please lock in on this. I approach you with this thought in mind. How can I help you? That's charity. That's the embodiment of charity. How can I help you? How can I put a smile on your face? How can I edify you? Just add something to you. Now notice, notice what happens. You start off adding to your faith. You know where it ends up? You wanting to add to other people. Charity. Comes full circle. Now, let's, let's remind ourselves what it said in verse 5. Diligence. Giving all diligence. So this is a steady, earnest, energetic effort. Right? For, and, and for the rest of your life. God, help me to employ these things, to make them a part of my, my life. What are we actually describing in verse 5, 6, and 7? You're becoming more and more like Jesus. Right? You're becoming a partaker of the divine nature. Let's be clear on this, though. Your efforts alone, if you skip verses 1 to 4 and try to jump in at verse 5, 6, and 7 and say, okay, I'm going to try to make myself a better version of me, well, you, you might actually turn over a leaf or two, right? People can do that. You can become a better version of you, but you're not accomplishing the will of God. You're not building on the faith. You're doing it for you. You see, you see how that's going to fall short. You're not going to bear the fruit that God desires. Why? Because there's an equation. Faith plus diligent addition equals fruit. So if you don't have one or the other, if you don't have faith... Or if you're missing the diligent addition, you're not going to end up with the fruit that God desires. And, and guys, the goal of life is to bring forth fruit unto God. 
I'd let's say that's one way to describe the goal of life is to, God, you put me here, and I want you to have, I want you to get something out of putting me on this planet. I don't want to be a waste of your grace. So here's some fruit. Here's something back for you. Now, let's, um, let's talk about the person who employs and, and gives all diligence, makes a genuine effort. What's the result? And that's verses 8 down to 11. What happens as a result of faith plus diligent addition? Before we read verse 8, let me just ask you, let your mind and your eyes go back over verse 5, 6, and 7 and imagine if you had all of those qualities put together right now and you were the embodiment of those things. Imagine the effect you would have on the people around you. Just, just think about that. If, if your approach was patient, kind, temperate, virtue, I mean, all of these things, if we could consistently be like this, it would change a lot of lives. Can't you see how that would change a lot of lives? You know what hinders the work of God many times is we are just being us around other people. And we're not striving to be more like Him. So verse 8, faith plus diligent addition equals verse 8. For if these things be in you, and what? And, and what? Abound. Because that's diligent addition. That's more than just addition. That's diligent. And abound. They make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, he's going back to you have the faith. You have the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You know who he is. That doesn't guarantee fruit. If, if you diligently add, then God is going to mix your efforts with His grace and you're going to come out with something very special, fruitful. And you having the knowledge of God is actually going to make a difference. It's going to show up and touch other people's lives. Verse 9, what happens if you don't have both sides of the equation? Verse 9, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. So here's a guy that starts off with the faith. He's obtained that, but he doesn't grow. He doesn't change. He doesn't conform. He doesn't yield. No diligence. No abounding. What happens? He can start to doubt his salvation. It doesn't say he loses his salvation. He still has the faith, but it's not doing it. It's lying there dormant. He's not putting it to work. So he can start, he, he goes a little bit blind or completely blind. He can't see afar off. Where am I going to go when I die? What is it going to be like at the judgment? He has no clue. He starts to doubt and he has forgotten he was purged from his old sins. He was saved. He is saved. He's just forgotten it because he looks at what's going on in his life and he thought, hmm, if I had the faith, shouldn't it be doing something? And it's, Nothing's really changed. So now he's wondering, did I, did I actually get saved or not? And that's where a lot of folks find themselves. They made a commitment a while back, but they, they didn't grow. And now they've forgotten about that commitment. So verse 10, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence, there it is again, to make your calling and election sure. See, what the goal here in verse number 10 is to give you assurance of your salvation. 
Now the calling, the election, this is God choosing you based on you choosing Him. Your calling, this is what God, the plan that He has for every believer, this predestinated plan of conforming you to His image. He says, I want you to be sure that these things are true in your life. How can you be sure of it? Faith plus addition, diligent addition. If you have that, you'll have assurance. And then the last part of verse 10, for if you do these things, ye shall never fall. You'll never fall away from the faith. You'll never turn your back on Jesus. Why? Because you're constantly pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Your, your momentum carries you in the right direction. What happens, though, when we backslide is, is we no longer are diligent about our addition. And that's when we fall, is when the diligence stops. You've got to keep that momentum. Verse 11, the momentum should carry you all the way to the kingdom. Verse 11, for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you, how? What's the word? Abundantly. Now, you've got to key in on that. An entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So what if I do not diligently add? You still enter the kingdom, but you don't do so abundantly. You go in empty-handed. You show, at, you show up at the judgment seat of Christ with absolutely nothing to show for everything He gave you. He gave you His faith. He put His Spirit within you, gave you a Bible, gave you a church, all the benefits. And you show up and say, God, I, I didn't do anything with it. You can't get there and say, the dog ate my homework. Because the Bible says dogs are without. There are no dogs in heaven. So you can't use that, the dog ate it. No, no, the dog didn't eat it. <laughs> you never did it. You never did the homework. And now there's nothing. You get in, yes, you're in the kingdom, but nothing to show for your saved life. That's a scary outcome. You want to be profitable to the Lord. And this comes not only by winning souls to Christ, but by the Spirit of God bearing forth the, the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Bringing about that conformed image. Alright, so let's, uh, let's finish up on this thought. We'll take some prayer requests after this. But remember, I'm going to take you back to the equation. Faith plus diligent addition equals fruit. Right? So just because I'm saved doesn't guarantee fruit. So if somebody says, well, I don't have assurance, I don't have fruit, does that mean I'm not saved? There's two parts to the equation before the equal sign. Faith plus diligent addition. So yes, if there's no fruit, it wouldn't hurt you to examine yourself and see whether or not you're in the faith. Right? It would make sense. You need to answer the question, what am I trusting to enter into the kingdom? What makes me think that I stand righteous before God? Why would He accept me? You need to be able to answer that. And if your answer doesn't match the gospel, then you don't have the faith. Right? So you're missing that side of the equation. But perhaps you do have the faith, but you're lacking the diligent addition. And if you're lacking that, you're also not going to see fruit. So you might be saved, but you don't know it. You know where you see this in the Bible? 2 Timothy 2.19 Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His. So you don't even know you're His, but He knows you're His. 
Now, if you, want, if you want to know it and you want to have assurance, the next part of that verse says, and he that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. See, you put in the effort and now what's on the inside is coming on the outside. You're working out your salvation. You're exercising it. It's a workout. And now you're going to see some benefits from it. But you don't see any benefits by simply owning a weight bench and, 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 a, and the bars and the weights. That doesn't work. You, just owning it isn't enough. You've got to do the work. And then you see the fruit. Then you see the change. Amen. All right, that's good enough for tonight. I hope that helps.